we um, are been, have been traveling in a series uh, called Did You Get That? <laughs> About the, the parables of Jesus. Uh, sometimes Jesus would share some stories and they were a little difficult to understand for some, uh, but, but they are actually meant for those who, who follow him to, to hear and to understand. Amen? And so now we are, uh, we've been in the book of Luke. We're going to continue in the book of Luke, and uh, today we'll be in the 14th chapter, the 14th chapter of the book of Luke, the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. And when you find it, we'll we'll matriculate to uh, the 15th verse. We're going to cover a little more of that, but... We'll, we'll read from the 15th verse today. I'll read and you can follow along. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, Luke chapter 14, and I'll begin reading at the 15th verse. It says, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said to him, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house uh, became angry. And said to a servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant says, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray. Father, oh God, we we thank you, Lord, for the opening of your word. The opening of your word brings light, Lord. We pray uh, you would illumine us now. We pray, Lord, that heart, mind, and will would take heed to your word, that we would be shaped and formed and directed by your spirit, Lord. Speak with us now, God, we pray. Have your way, Lord, in your sanctuary. Have free course, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you move in the homes of those witnessing uh, online, God, that, that, that they would experience you, Lord, in a mighty way. We pray, Lord, um, for a fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. And 
Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, I've, I've been uh, on, on blessed on different occasions to be involved in what we call street evangelism. Uh, not sure that there is really any other kind. No, the street evangelism. Me, me. That's when me and other other believers would go out into certain locations and share the message of the Lord's salvation with people who were just passing by, minding their business. <laughs> I, I should say, attempt to share the message <laughs> it, it, because uh, uh, because during those times, many folks just rushed by and they. Uh, really had no interest in what we were trying to share or in the message we were sharing. Uh, and, and I was never offended because I realized that, that I was only the messenger. Um, that was between them and the sender, right? Uh, as people were passing by, uh, a lot of them uh, would, would just hold up their hand, uh, politely saying, uh, um, I'm good. Um, that's, some of y'all didn't get that. That's, that's Philadelphia vernacular for I'm not interested in what you have. I'm good. Uh, think, thinking about what they said, though, because I'm cerebral, I thought about what they said and thinking about it, I, I realized that they were, in fact, not good. Uh, and probably had no idea that they were actually not rejecting or turning me down, but they were actually turning God down. Um, no idea. The text today, it, give, it, it, it gives a, a warning picture of people and for people who also don't recognize they're turning down an invitation from God. I mean, it sounds preposterous to say it out loud, but, but here, here it is, uh, nonetheless, uh, and I titled the message just that, Turning God Down. Turning God Down. Um, if you take this thought in case you're some, someone that drifts off into naps, uh, be sure to give God the right response when he calls. Be sure to give the right response when the Lord calls. All right. The, the parable calls us to consider uh, a couple things. One, it, it calls us to consider if, if we'll be at the future celebration with the Lord. My pastor used to say, there's a great camp meeting over yonder. Will you be there? <laughs> the, the parable calls us to consider that. And the, the, the next thing it calls us to consider, it calls us to consider secondly in a secondary way, what gets in the way of our discipleship? What gets in the way of our discipleship? Uh, just as a, as a backdrop of what we've been doing in, in the parables in Luke so far, Jesus has been continuing to kind of jar people loose from clinging to earthly status and possessions that won't last. Uh, uh, if you haven't noticed by now, you, you haven't been paying attention, the parables have a little bite to them. Huh? 
um, he, he encourages the listeners to hold things, th- those type of things, those earthly, non-lasting, transitory things, to hold those things loosely, having hearts that are set on the treasures of heaven. It's value system. He's, he's been directing people to be prepared for their encounter with the Lord. In the parables, in the parables, here in this 14th chapter, um, I thought about it as I got here, and it's, it's, it might be one of my favorite chapters. Uh, uh, teaching this 14th chapter of Luke once before, I, I titled it, the, the Worst Dinner Guest Ever. Just read, just read verses 1 to 24 when you get a chance. You'll see why I named it that. The Worst Dinner Guest Ever. Ever. Am I talking about Jesus? Look, uh, it, it, it all started, with, it starts with Jesus being invited to a dinner at the house of a, a, a leading religious expert uh, called a, a Pharisee, in fact, a leader of the Pharisees, and, and, and since all the people there were watching to find something that they could hold against Jesus, he did what Jesus does. He burst their self-righteous bubbles right there at the dinner table. Uh, 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 first, he, he, he broke the cultural and, and religious protocols in the middle of this dinner in somebody else's house by healing a man on the Sabbath, which was against their rules but not against God's rules, by the way. And, and when people look shocked that he did it, he, he took an opportunity to point out their hypocrisy, showing how, how they, they would uh, uh, bypass their own rules if it was helpful for them. You get invited somewhere, you just call the people hypocrites, Jesus. Look, then, it, but that wasn't it. Then, he called out uh, the pride issues of the guests, all trying to sit in the most important seats. They were trying to get close to the, to the host so that they could look like the most important person at the dinner. Jesus looked around and then he used a short parable to basically let them know they should humble themselves before God has to do it. Y'all enjoying dinner yet? Uh, Jesus is not done. It, <laughs> this, is, this is only the first 14 verses. Look, um, then he called out the host. Put, do, do we have verse, uh, uh, look at verse 12. At verse 12, he, he called out the host. He said also to the man, watch this, who had invited him. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Uh, When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." Jesus uh, directs this man to operate with with, uh, a heavenly hospitality. Uh, He's getting these folks together. He he says, uh, have an open-handed giving, not expecting anything in return. This 
kind of giving carries a future blessing with it, a payback that's coming at the time of the resurrection that you all are looking forward to. Um, Jesus, I, I, I think Jesus didn't miss anybody in that dinner. <laughs> but, but, except for the, the man who was healed, he, he came out good. But everybody else, Jesus, uh, he gathered them, as they say. He, he, listen, um, but when he mentioned the resurrection, uh, verse 15, when one of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Uh, hearing Jesus mention the resurrection, this man immediately thought of the time when God would gather his people together for a great feast. I, I mentioned it before a couple weeks back that, uh, that the prophet Isaiah had foretold of it in, in Isaiah 25 and 6. Um, and and, and when, when God would prepare a feast for his people and the people of Israel looked forward to that time. It was to be a time when the Messiah would come and God's kingdom would be set up and all things would be made right for them. This man, he responded in a way to Jesus' uh, 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 speaking. Uh, he responded in a way that sounded spiritual and and. and and when he said it, I could see him. He probably expected everyone basically to say, amen, brother. You got it? But Jesus was at the table. And he must have understood what the man was really saying. Because the man's comment became the trigger for this parable. Uh, he must have, don't, don't, don't let your life become a, a reason for one of Jesus' parables. That's a side note. Uh, Jesus must have, must have heard this man's thoughts. Said, I, this man's thinking, I can't wait until all of us get to celebrate with God in heaven. It was, it was, the, it was the common attitude of the Jews in this time to consider themselves to be on the A-list for heaven, but to the exclusion of of other folks. Don't, 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 don't miss this. Jesus didn't. Jesus uses this parable to just completely contradict what, what would have been expected. He, he, he said, but he said to him in verse 16, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at, the, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, watch this, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them to see if they work. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I don't need an excuse. My wife is my excuse. Adam tried that. Didn't work for Adam. <laughs> Back in the text. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't unusual in this time to send two invitations for an important event. Uh, one, the first was to invite the people. Uh, 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 and the second, to let people know it's time for things to get started. 
So two, 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 two messages. The, this first group of invitees would, would have already received that first message and then RSVP that they would be there. The first group. But as time arrived, the time arrived to show up, they had other options in mind. In the, in the, in the, in the backdrop of this, this culture and this time in the Middle East, they, uh, their excuses would have been an insult to the host who invited him. Um, the, the, their, their excuses would have been offensive to the host that invited him. I, I remember I, I, uh, becoming a part of an organization in college and they taught us a, a saying about excuses. They said excuses are tools of the incompetent used to build monuments of nothingness. Those who specialize in their use seldom to succeed in anything at all. And so I, I learned that some long years ago. But, 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 but I think about it sometimes whenever I'm fixing my, my mouth to make an excuse for a thing. I, I think about that. Um, um, often, often, and I'll just park here for a little bit. Often the person making the excuse feels like it's valid. It's a valid reason. But, but what it really boils down to most times is value. Value. The thing given as an excuse is held as more valuable or important than whatever the person is wanting to be excused from or not carry out. The, the first two people, watch this, Jesus makes it plain. The first two people responding in the story chose and valued business over relationship or fellowship with the one who had invited them. Uh, inspecting the land and the oxen, it sounded important. But a closer look shows that these excuse, shows these excuses to be flimsy at best and deceptive or deceitful at worst. Look, because the times, the times speak to it. Even if someone would have made these excuses Expensive, per, these would have been expensive purchases, like buying a house or, or a car. If they would have done it without seeing or inspecting them, which is unlikely, was, was the time when they were called for this banquet the only time to go check them out? Was that the only moment that they could have done that? No, and then so that that's their that's their excuse though. We'll let them have it. Then there's there's marriage. That must be legitimate and, and trump every other obligation, right? It's marriage. I'm married. Lord, Lord, if the Lord be so kind and say the same tomorrow, I would have been married to my uh, lovely wife for 24 years. So. And, and, and I, I say that to say, uh, well, I say that to make her smile, but I say that to say, <laughs> I say that to say, um, in all of those 24 years, being married to her has never been ex- an excuse for, for sidestepping the things of God. If anything, it's driven me deeper into the things of God. That's how God designed marriage. Yes. 
not to be an excuse, but, but, but here it sounded legitimate to this, it sounded legit, um, and it even, it, for this guy, it even might have sounded biblical, right? It, you know, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24 and 5, it, it had excuse, it, it, it excused men from military and public service for one year after marriage. So the guy threw out the marriage. The problem is this wasn't a military campaign. It was an invite to table fellowship, one of the most important things of this time in this culture. Table fellowship with a person who thought enough of him to invite him and who he thought enough of to say yes at first, but now not so much. These excuses are falling apart. Second, even if, even if the guy dug in on the whole marriage thing, it, it, it didn't pop up between the first invite and the second invite. <laughs> he didn't just find himself married. It, it would have been planned for. One of the commentators I read said that this banquet, uh, it, the banquet that this man threw also, it likely wouldn't have been planned in the village the same time as a wedding ceremony because most of the people in the village would have been participating in the wedding. It would have been a community event. He wouldn't have planned a dinner at that same time. So what it seems like, what it boils down to, it seems like this banquet invitation just wasn't a priority for this man. And he made excuses. Note this, this is, this is for them, this is for us. Note this, people plan for priorities. People plan for priorities. There is likely someone in this room who already has a trip planned for next year. If you smile, you gave yourself away. No, people plan for priorities. Uh, the, the excuses given here revealed the priorities of the people making them. Even, even in our day, think about it. Work, business, and family are expected to be acceptable excuses for getting out of something. When somebody gives one of those, one of those three, this, it's supposed to be, oh, got it. Somebody, somebody might even try to argue uh, that, that these excuses are valid reasons, but you won't be arguing with me, you'd be arguing with Jesus. It, 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 it might even be a good practice for us as we are being shaped and formed around uh, Jesus and his likeness to, to, to Practice um, saying our own excuses out loud to God before saying them to other people. And if you say it out loud to God, and if if it still sounds legitimate, then share it with someone else. Filter it, filter it, filter it. I'm sure, though, that most things people excuse themselves out of don't seem like a big deal to them. But when the invitation has to do with God's kingdom, I'm convinced that some folks must just, they just don't know what they're losing out on. They just don't, I'm convinced. Who would ever knowingly take for granted a seat at this kingdom table that Jesus is pointing to here? Who, who, who would trade this opportunity for working with some oxen 
or dealing with some real estate or anything else. They can't know. Um, The author Dave Hunt uh, made a good point when he said this. The choice we face is not as many imagine between heaven and hell. Rather, the choice is between heaven and this world. Even a fool would exchange hell for heaven, but only the wise will exchange this world for heaven. This is priorities and values. And, and, and why, why drag my feet here in, in these excuses and these priorities and these values? Because I want you to listen to the master's response and you see why it becomes so vital. Listen to the master's response. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became what? Angry. And said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. After hearing the excuses of the people, the the host is not just insulted, he's downright angry. And and we're going to find out his anger is righteous anger. It's righteous anger even in the way he conducted himself. Watch this. He didn't lash out at the people who thought little of his invitation. Uh-oh. He, he doesn't send his servant back to them with a sharp message. He doesn't clap back. Look, he, he doesn't even argue about their excuses. Nor does he beg them to reconsider. Look how he handles it. He simply sends the servants to others in the city. Go and find the ones that most people ignore and look down on. Those living with poverty and infirmities, go get them. He says, they'll be in the streets and the alleyways. Go get them. This, this master in fact, he sounds a lot like Jesus who, who had just told the host of this dinner that he's at, that, 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 that these are the people that he needed to invite to his dinners and banquets. He told the host who to invite to his place. I love him. I love him. Look, uh, but, but, but this, so this, this master sounds familiar. He go, he says, go find those who would take this invitation as the blessing it is and make showing up a priority. Don't waste yourself. Go to those who will value what I'm offering. And the servant said, sir, What you commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Listen to the master's response. The, The... 
The parable, the parable doesn't track time, but, but just notice, th- this is a note for us, just notice there's no hesitation between the master saying go and the servant saying done. Done. With room to spare now, what, what kind of a spacious place is this? With room to spare, he sends the servant out a third time. And this time, he said, go outside the city where, where, where the servant might fi- encounter uh, foreigners uh, that, that, that folks call the Gentiles or, or maybe other folks uh, who, who people consider the undesirables out in the highways and the hedges. He says, go out there and, and find them. Um, and, and, and he knew that uh, folks out there, they'd likely hesitate I'm coming in. I hope y'all are listening. They likely hesitate on coming in, not because of their priorities, but because of feeling unworthy or unprepared to be invited to such a banquet. They, they, would, they would hesitate. Uh, um, so, so he instructs the servant, watch this, to go and compel them to come. Now, let's be clear. He's not authorizing physical force, as some have misread this text in the history of the church and and, and apply physical force, which this text doesn't make room for, and nor does the Lord call for. No, he's not, he's not saying that. He's not, he, uh, he doesn't say force people to, not, not no physical force, but, but strongly urging and convincing them to come. That the servant can't strong arm the people into coming, but can make known to them all that's available for them when they come. Everything that's prepared in the house, the servant has been in the house, the servant knows what's in the house, the, 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 the barbecue, the ribs, the, he knows everything that's prepared in the house. I, I don't want to make nobody hungry. Look, the servant can compel them to come, I, I was standing one, one, one day in Barnes and Noble, and, and, and I noticed a little boy who was near me looking through the books on the magazine rack. And while standing there, I started to hear this kind of subdued scream, and it was getting closer and closer, like, like a siren approaching from a distance. You know that sound? And it was, so it was turning up, getting closer. And when I looked over to see where the sound was coming from, I saw that the little boy's sister was next to him. And, 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 and full of enthusiasm and joy, she quietly yelled to her brother, I found something awesome. <laughs> and the boy, <laughs> bless his heart, he tried to, to hold up his magazine to show her what he had found. I got the, the, and, but, but by then she had turned off and took back off toward the thing that she had found. She was gone. It, it, it seemed like the boy had no other choice but to go and see what it was that she had found that was so awesome. And, and I got to tell the truth, I was curious myself. So I strolled by from a distance to see what it was. Amen. So if that feeling that you just had of wanting to know what it was that she found, uh, and and that thing that caused her brother and, and me to go follow her to find out what it was, 
that's compelling. That's compelling. That's, that's what it was. If you really want to know, talk to me later. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I, here, here in the text, though, the assignment was to go and bring folks back to fill the house at all costs. Doesn't matter where they were at all costs. Up to this point in the parable, something's going to shift. And the, the master has been speaking to one servant, his servant, his servant. He's been speaking to one servant. But suddenly, the audience seems to change. When he says, for I tell you that none of them are going to taste. When he says, for I tell you, it becomes a plural you. First it was you, you, you. Now it's a plural you. So either, I thought about this for a while. I read, I studied, I looked into it. Either the person in the story start speaking directly to the people in the room with Jesus, or now Jesus in this story merges himself with the master in the parable and is now letting those listening know that this story represents his banquet. He'll be the host in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus speaks to them, and, 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 and he's also informing him that the, the attendees at this banquet are going to be much different than they think. They thought they had seats with their names on them. Well, this is, this is the unexpected twist. It's the, it's the great reversal of things that Luke is known for, that, that, that the, the lowly oh God is good, and the ostracized those that are expected to be excluded will be in the house and those that thought they'd be in the house because they were from the right backgrounds and family pedigree and, and followed the right rules and, and they knew the scripture by heart will find themselves out of doors, left out. Why? Because they didn't recognize what Jesus' presence and ministry represented. Remember, this, this parable is pointing to something. It's a picture. It, it is about more than coming to enjoy a nice meal. Those not willing to attend this scene that Jesus is setting will find themselves outside of God's kingdom, being served a bottomless cup of torment in the judgment. Look at this. They were being called to celebrate and participate in God's beginning to do what he promised he would do. This, I mean, the door of the kingdom that they've been looking forward to was now being cracked open by Jesus. But it wasn't looking how they expected it to look. So this parable warns whoever is still listening at this point to recognize him before they find themselves outside and they miss their chance to come in. Uh, Many there had just turned their backs because Jesus wasn't who they were expecting. This, this, 
This is the story for many folks in the world today. Here's the big rub. Here's the big issue for the world to, to grapple with that not just that God invited them, but that God didn't just send any old body to call us into fellowship with himself. He didn't, he, 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 he didn't just send a nobody uh, to invite folks to this to his banquet where, where he blesses and he, he fills, fills the needy soul. Who God sent? He sent his only begotten son. He sent uh, uh, Jesus. Jesus, and the world has to recognize, just like they had to recognize in the story, Jesus is the one who's made everything ready and says, come and get it. Jesus is the one. I, I, my, my, my prayer, and, and it's daily, I pray for people to know that everything that made us undesirable and excluded us from God was removed by Jesus' coming and dying and rising. He made it ready, and there's no excuse in the world that's worth turning down this invitation from God to come, to come. So, so, so that puts us in a, puts us in a quandary. Either <clears throat> we haven't known it and we need to know, or, or, or we are those that have accepted his invitation to come. We've already said, yes, Lord. Um, and so if we've accepted his invitation to come, watch this, uh, uh, have we also heard and accepted his command to the servant to go? Have we also heard that? Are you, here we go, I'm, let's just come down your street a little bit. Are, are you compelling or urging anyone to come participate in what God has made ready for them. Because although this, although this, uh, 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 this was shaped and, and pointed toward Israel and the Jews at this, at that, in that time when Jesus was speaking because they had turned away from him, the church can also have this we're in attitude and everybody else is out that, that, that ignores others. That's a question. <laughs> I, another question. Do we take our seat in the kingdom for granted? Do we, do we take it for granted? Almost as if God owes us that seat. Do we take it for granted so much so that we let other preoccupations consume our time and our affections because we have a seat in the kingdom already. The last question and, the, and then I'll let us go meditate on it. Do the endeavors of this world 
This is about discipleship. Do the endeavors of this world take precedent, precedence over the call of God in your life toward discipleship? Is God trying to get penciled in on your schedule? I don't, any question I ask you, I've asked myself, because we're all in this together. What we do know is, if we have come and answered that invitation, not just RSVP'd, but, 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 but are sure enough ready to show up when the Lord calls, we know what this banquet is. We know how, how awesome what God has prepared for us must be. And we know the cost that he paid for it to be prepared for us. And so there's no way we can take it for granted or keep it from others.